them. And they went about through all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. And now skipping down to verse 10. And the fear of Yahweh fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, and they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines, I would add even some of the Philistines, who were often enemies of Judah, brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute, as did many other nations that we read here. And Jehoshaphat grew steadily greater. And if we keep on reading, we see that he had great armies as well as plenty of food and goods to go around. Uh, And thus far, all that I have read to you and summarized for you from both the New Testament and the Old Testament is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My friends, all men are but dust. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you are kind to your people at all times. You give us rewards for merely doing what is required of us. And you show incredible mercy when we are at our worst and mired in sin and foibles. Truly you are the God of grace and mercy. Praise be to your name. So help us by your spirit this morning to know you and your grace and your mercy more and more. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Do you guys, uh, you guys know the word pseudo? No, no uh, pseudo like uh, phony, fake, uh, or, or if you're talking about a pseudonym, it means using a fake name, pseudo. So, one of the, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life, <laughs> but one of the times I felt dumbest was my freshman year of college. When uh, my friend, uh, who is an English major, walked up to me and said, Wes, you don't know how to say the word pseudo, do you? Because I, from the time I learned the word to the time I was 18, and by the way, I thought I was really smart. I mean, I, like I took AP English and everything. I said suedo. Like blue suede shoes, a suedonium, a suedo whatever. And my friend Corey said, you know, Wes, I thought you were trying to be funny, but you actually think that's how it's said, aren't you? don't you? Yeah. No, Wes, it's pseudo. And I felt really, really dumb. <laughs> um, she said, stop saying it that way. It makes you sound stupid. <laughs> she meant well. Unfortunately, that's not the only time I've ever been dumb and needed to be corrected. In fact, it's a regularly recurring event. Just ask my wife. And um, maybe you feel that way. You just can't stop doing dumb things, can you? I can't. Maybe I'm the only dumb one in here. But don't you ever just feel like, how do I still get things like this wrong? I just thought it'd be better than this by now. 
The best corrections, the ones that aren't just insulting, but that are actually good for us, even if they hurt our pride, come when we are being corrected in love. My my friend Corey genuinely cared about me and did not want me to sound like a dumb hick from Tahlequah, even though I am. And so she tried to correct me gently for my own good. And taking correction well is also for our own good. And since God is our Father, if you are a Christian, as we've been talking about, the most loving person in the universe, when he wants to correct you, wants to correct you for your own good. God is love. And when the most loving person in the universe wants to correct you, we should pay attention. That's just logic. God loves his people and he calls us and adopts us so that we can know that we are children of God. But having God as our loving father means he wants to shape us and do what is best for us because that's what parents do. They shape their kids into what is best for them. Whether it's by disciplining them or whether it's praising them and rewarding them merely for doing what is required of them. I'm sure some old school parents is like, I didn't reward my kids for simply doing what is uh, required of them. And your kids have psychological problems today. And, whoa, that was harsh, Wes. Well, right, but the only way there can be healing in your family is if you realize that, repent of it, and apologize for it. Wow, you made that joke serious. God is a good parent who corrects and rewards his children. And God does reward for merely doing what is required, by the way. We see it right here in this passage. God corrects gently, but he also rewards. He rewards, but he never disowns us for failure. And what this means is that there is reward from God for our good, and there is always grace for our failure. That's what we see here in these three chapters as we look at Jehoshaphat. And so to see that, we're going to look at great Jehoshaphat, not so great Jehoshaphat, saved from his own stupidity, Jehoshaphat, and finally disciplined but blessed, Jehoshaphat. Uh, Those are our four points. Let's start at the beginning of chapter 17, which we've already read by looking at great Jehoshaphat, who sought to walk with God according to God's commandments. And this gave Jehoshaphat the respect of the people, even of the nations around him, even the Philistines, the biggest, baddest enemies around who brought him gifts. And Jehoshaphat was secure in doing right, and God blessed him. So the the clear principle of 2 Chronicles 17 is, be good and God will bless you, right? Well, sort of. Don't you hate it when we do that? You see, God does bless us for doing well, but not for the reason you think. It's not a one-to-one transaction with God. Oh, well, I do one good deed that God wants me to do, so he'll give me one good deed in return. That is not how it works. God is not Santa Claus. Uh, Santa Claus is not Santa Claus, but that's beside the point. Um, right? Rather, God 
delights in rewarding his people the way a good father rewards his children, showering them with with praise even uh, when they've done something good just because he loves them and because it shapes them. And we actually, everyone who's a parent gets this because uh, kids, I want you to know, all your drawings are fantastic, okay? They are. And all of the parents in here agree with that. You all praise your kids for their drawings, right? Good. And we praise them no matter how much they match up to Michelangelo. That's the principle. God is perfect and we are not. Yet God praises our imperfect but nonetheless relatively good just because he is our father. And therefore... My friends, if you want to have a relationship with God, if you are in relationship with God, it is right and good for your experience, for the experience of your relationship with God, for you to do good, for you to learn his commandments from the Bible and seek to obey him, not to get his approval, but because he delights in our effort. There, there, a famous pastor said it, religion says God accepts us because we are good. But Christianity says we do good because we are deeply loved and accepted in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But like all children, we are not perfect. We often hurt the ones we love, and sometimes we knowingly disregard what we've been told. That's what we call sin. We all have it. We all do it. It hurts our relationship with God. But sometimes we just want something. And so we will come up with any excuse why we shouldn't do what we're told. We will justify what we did with all sorts of jumps of logic just because we want to be right, even though we know we're wrong. Or we will point at someone else and say, at least they did worse than me. But we take what they did out of context because we're no different than Jehoshaphat, who made similar mistakes than all the kings of Israel did. And so you might say that Jehoshaphat, great Jehoshaphat, was also not so great Jehoshaphat. Chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Now, Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. And Ahab, Ahab was the king of Israel, the wicked northern kingdom that we talked about a minute ago. And Ahab made it a point to flatter Jehoshaphat with lamb offerings and eventually said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead to wage war? And Jehoshaphat answered, Well, I am as you are. My people is your people. We will be with you in the war. Verse 4. And Jehoshaphat said to Ahab, "Uh, Inquire first for the word of Yahweh. And so the king of Israel Ahab gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? And the prophets said, Go up for God, not Yahweh. Not Yahweh. Just the generic word for God. Go up for God. We'll give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of Yahweh of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, 
There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of Yahweh, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good things concerning me, but always evil. So, Ahab winds up sending for Micaiah, but the messenger goes and specifically tells Micaiah that he is to prophesy success just like the other prophets. But Micaiah says in verse 13, As Yahweh lives, what my God says, that I will speak. And when Micaiah had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And Micaiah starts with giving this sarcastic answer. So, lest you think sarcasm be wrong, it's not. (laughs) But then Micaiah does give him a straight answer. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And Yahweh said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he was going to prophesy Good, he was not going to prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of Yahweh. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And Yahweh said, Who will entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. And then a spirit came forward and stood before Yahweh, saying, I will entice him. And Yahweh said to him, By what means? And the spirit said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And Yahweh said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, Yahweh has put a lying spirit in the mouth of your prophets. Yahweh has declared disaster concerning you. Well, Ahab really did not like that prophecy. So in verse 26, he says, Thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with meager rations of bread and water until I return in peace. And Micaiah says, uh, If you return in peace, Yahweh has not spoken by me. He's appealing to the Deuteronomic law. If something a prophet says doesn't come true, he was a false prophet and should be put to death. And so Micaiah yells out, Hear all you peoples! So first, some of you are probably disturbed by what you just heard. Yahweh, the God of truth, sent a lying spirit to deceive Ahab. But here's what you got to understand. Ahab was the wicked king of a wicked people. And the truth is not owed to whom those the truth is not owed. And some of you will disagree with that, but it happens time and again in the Bible. And you know, it happened uh, with... Uh, uh, it happened in Joshua too, right? With the prostitute, Rahab, who lied and was blessed for telling the lie. The truth is simply not owed to whom the truth is not owed. Uh, and so this was a righteous judgment. God did deceive Ahab. He allowed Ahab to be deceived. But it was a judgment against someone who was already doing wicked because he was explicitly in rebellion against Yahweh. 
And so God's allowing this was simply a part of his righteous judgment against him. There are apparently some crazy meetings in heaven, eh? Second, though, the second, and maybe more important thing, no, the second and more important thing we need to learn from uh, what we just read is that there are three reasons this entire episode was a bad deal. First, Jehoshaphat was seeking an alliance with the northern kingdom that is not based on righteous grounds, but on political expediency that could draw Judah into destruction if he goes through with it. And the principle applies to us today that the church must never end to political relationships merely for political convenience and expedience, lest it bring destruction to the church. And by the way, Christians have been doing this again and again for the last 2,000 years, so we have not paid attention. But I'm telling us today, we need to repent and pay attention while we can. Second, and to make it worse, as though it could be worse, Jehoshaphat enters into this relationship through a forbidden marriage alliance. Now, Israel may have once been God's people, the northern kingdom, but they have distinctly rebelled against Yahweh. They've set up their own pagan religion, and they've left the faith of their fathers. So the same Deuteronomic law about, marrying, about not marrying pagan unbelievers would apply to Israel as it would to the Philistines. Uh, which is, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. And of course, that was exactly what Solomon did, and it caused part of the downfall of the kingdom. This Solomon's going after other gods is part of the reason the kingdom wound up split in two. And this principle still applies to us today. Christians ought not so much as date other than Christian people, more or less marry them, because Christians should not marry non-Christians. We don't want interfaith marriages, but as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.39, Christians are to marry only in the Lord with others, so Christians are to only marry others who are members of the church, baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Third, our reading of the law specifically applies to this passage. In fact, you may not have known entirely what to do with 2 Corinthians 6 when we read it. But the Israelites here are trying to weasel their way in and claim they are Yahweh worshipers when they are explicitly in rebellion against Yahweh. And so Jehoshaphat getting into a political alliance with Ahab would be the type of alliance Paul was forbidding. You see, the prophets Ahab consulted were not prophets of Yahweh. Remember I said it was not Yahweh, it was just the generic word for God. And this wouldn't have been a secret, right? Uh, Israel was worshipping all sorts of Ashtoreths and Baals and crazy pagan gods. Uh, And Jehoshaphat knew that. That's why he had to keep saying, hey, could we maybe hear from a prophet that might speak from Yahweh instead of you know, all these other gods. And when Paul, in 2 Corinthians 6, 
was talking about not being unequally yoked, it's the end of an argument that he began all the way back in 2 Corinthians 2. Yes, I'm now basically expositing a totally separate scripture, but it's so you can understand what's happening here. So, in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul had, had, was starting to make this argument about their relationships with unbelievers inside the church. It's an important qualifier. He was talking about unbelievers inside the church, not outside the church. Uh, in fact, when it comes to outside the church, he had already dealt with that uh, over in 1 Corinthians 5, where uh, Paul had said, I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sinful people, not at all meaning sinners of this world, uh, for then you would need to go out of the world. But I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, who's claiming to call on the name of Jesus if he's guilty of unrepentant sins. Those are the ones you're supposed to separate from. For what have I to do with judging others? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. So purge the evil person from among you. So I I just want to be clear. And yes, this is a soapbox. And yes, there are discussion questions where I want you to read even more and talk about this. But this is not saying don't have unbelieving friends. This is saying when people are unrepentant of sin and spreading heresy in the church, you need to put those people at an arm's length. And that is an important distinction. Uh, So what Paul was talking about was unbelievers inside the church, and the same principle uh, winds up applying right here uh, in 2 Chronicles. That when people are doing wickedness in the name of God, like the Israelites were, we should not ally ourselves with them. When Christians are unrepentant of really heinous and scandalous sin, we don't partner with those people. But Jehoshaphat did. So, here's how that went. Uh, Starting in chapter 18, verse 28 where we're going to see saved Jehoshaphat. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of his chariots, Fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. So as soon as the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, Look, there's the king of Israel. And so they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and Yahweh helped him. God drew them away from him. For as soon as the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel, that is Ahab, between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore Ahab said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king of Israel was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until evening. 
And then at sunset, he died. Two comments. First, God saved Jehoshaphat despite his sin. Jehoshaphat's troubles began when he joined forces with the evil king Ahab. And almost at once he found himself the target for soldiers who mistakenly identified him as Ahab. Now he could have accepted this fate because he deserved it. Jehoshaphat did deserve to die. But instead he cried out to God who miraculously saved him. Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord when he was in need. Good call. Such ought we to do. When we sin and inevitable consequences begin to flow, we may be tempted to give up. You may be. You may say, you know, I chose to sin. I have worshipped false gods. I have done sinful things. I have been wicked. It's my fault and so karma, baby. I got to take the consequences. Thanks be to God, karma is not real. If karma were real, we'd all be in hell already. While we may deserve what comes to us, there is no reason to avoiding to avoid calling on God for urgent help because God delights to show grace to big old mess-ups. If you feel absolutely weighed down by guilt, covered in sin, ashamed, your sins are forgiven through the cross. Your shame is washed away by the blood of the Lamb. By the power of the Holy Spirit, your dignity is restored. No matter how greatly you have sinned, you can still call upon God. And you know what? God, just, he just often makes the consequences way less worse than they ought to be. And that's God's grace to us. And when he doesn't, it is a loving father disciplining us. Second comment. Thanks be to God for his sovereignty over even what may seem random to us. It's actually, this, the word they translate random probably isn't, random is maybe not the best translation ever. Uh, the Hebrew is actually in his innocence, uh, meaning, uh, I don't know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and no one else seemed to know what it meant either because I looked it up. But God was bringing his final judgment against Ahab because God controlled this arrow, right? That arrow was God's final judgment against Ahab who did not seek Yahweh. But God gladly granted grace and mercy even to a big mess up like Jehoshaphat who knew God was his only hope. And friends, if you know God is your only hope, if you know Jesus Christ, the triune God is your only hope, I want you to know no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've messed up, I cannot see it enough. God will always extend his grace to those who call upon him. Don't fear him. Don't let your sin and guilt make you fear God in a boots-trembling way. But come to him boldly with your sin, seeking grace and mercy. Which is what Jehoshaphat did. And then he went, went home. Where we see disciplined and blessed Jehoshaphat. Chapter 19, 
starting in verse 1. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. But Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, remember that guy from last week? Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate Yahweh? Right, he's, he's using that second Corinthians principle we talked about just a minute ago. Should you help and love those people? No. Because of this, the wrath of God has gone out against you from Yahweh. Nevertheless, some good is found in you. For you destroyed the Asheroth out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat responded by setting judges over the land and said to them in verse 6, Consider what you do, for you judge not for man, but for Yahweh. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then, let the fear of Yahweh be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with Yahweh our God, or partiality, or taking bribes. Right? Jehoshaphat finds out he's received mercy, and so he immediately wants to set up justice in his land. Because he knows that there is no injustice with his God, but there is plenty of mercy. Jehoshaphat also appointed Levites, priests, and heads of families in Israel to judge them, charging them in verse 9. Thus you shall do in the fear of Yahweh, in faithfulness and with your whole heart. Whenever a case comes to you from your brothers who live in their cities concerning bloodshed, law, or commandment, statutes, or rules, then you shall warn them that they may not incur guilt before Yahweh, and wrath may not come upon you and your brothers." Thus you shall do, and you will not incur guilt. And then he gave them some other details and ended his instructions in verse 11 with this, saying, deal courageously, and may Yahweh be with the upright. Jehoshaphat trusted Yahweh. And that's actually one of the reasons that gets cited, that God kept him out of trouble when Jehoshaphat did mess up. Jehoshaphat messed up by entering into the alliance with Ahab, but in general, his disposition was for the Lord. And so the Lord corrects him and tells him, hey, you shouldn't have been there. But he also rewards Jehoshaphat for doing right, returns him to doing right, and still is pleased with him. Because once again, that's that's what we do with our kids. That's what God does with us, his adopted kids. Uh, I, I, I can't help but think of this story that a buddy of mine in Tulsa tells about one of his kids when they were younger uh, were playing baseball in the house, which they were not supposed to do. And they had just got like flat screen TVs were like brand new and, you know, cost a bajillion dollars or something. And they had just gotten it like that weekend. Yeah, you already know where this is going. Playing baseball in the house, brand new flat screen TV when that was a brand new thing. Smash! Oh, Kubat. Now, his son could have tried to hide it. He could have said, oh no, it was someone else, or I don't know what happened. Because no one else saw him do it. But you know what the son did? The son went to his father 
He said, Dad, I broke the TV. I can't ever pay you back for that. Right? I mean, this is like a six-year-old. It's not like he had a job. <laughs> Dad, I broke the TV. Are you gonna are you gonna kick me out of the house or put me up for adoption? And the father's heart was melted. He said, No, son. What you did was wrong. You should not ever play baseball in the house again. But I will never give up on you. I will never stop loving you. And I am going to take the price of that TV on myself. I'm going to buy a new one. And you're not going to owe me a thing for it. And then he took his son outside and played ball with him. And told him what a good job he was doing at pitching. The father had a little sinner in front of him who came to him confessing his sin, afraid of consequences, but running to the only hope he knew, which was his father. And his father showed him mercy, took the price upon himself, and then praised his son for doing the very thing that had broken the TV. That's what God is like. That's what God was like with Jehoshaphat. He messed up. He got corrected. He got praised. And he got to keep on trucking. That's the Christian life. If you want that, it's open to you. All you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you too will be saved. Because when you believe in Jesus, this God, Yahweh, the one we're talking about, becomes your God. And he has shown over and over again that he is a God who delights to forgive sinners like us and show mercy and grace and kindness to us even when we mess up. Because he's done it for so many hot messes who have come to him seeking mercy before. And so if you've ever wondered if God forgives you, if he will forgive you, and if he'll still let you be his child after what you've done, The answer is a resounding yes! Do you guys not feel burdened by guilt? If you do, it can be lifted off by Jesus Christ. All the chapters here, all three chapters, are a story of sin and grace that belong to all who call on Jesus Christ as Lord. Because Jesus Christ is the God of Jehoshaphat. When we follow Yahweh, the triune God, through Jesus, yeah, sometimes he allows suffering, and sometimes that's confusing, but in the end, we discover it's for correction and training in righteousness. And even when we veer off, God is kind and gracious and forgiving all those who return to him in repentance. That's why he said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And that was made possible because the king that Jehoshaphat pointed to, the king that the people reading Chronicles would have been waiting on, did finally show You see, they were waiting for a better king who wouldn't even make little mistakes. In fact, a king who would also be a faithful prophet 
and who would be slapped for saying the words of Yahweh. Jesus Christ was the son of Jehoshaphat in the line of King David, whom all the people reading Chronicles would have been longing for as they were in exile in Persia. And that's why Second Chronicles would be good news to them and is good news to us. But, and we know it even better than they did. For though Jesus, for Jesus wouldn't need forgiveness, yet he would offer it. Jesus had no guilt, but he took the arrow of judgment for our sin on the cross and died the death we sinners should have died so that God's righteousness could be satisfied, but we could be adopted, beloved, even though disciplined, children of God who have a loving Father who has nothing but love to give us. Fathers don't give their kids justice. Fathers give their kids mercy. Fathers don't give their kids punishment, they give them discipline. And because God gave his justice and his punishment to his only begotten son, the king of of all who call on him, who took it willingly, God uh, God the Father now treats us as his beloved children forever. And that is the reason to obey God. Not to get blessing, but because God loves you and will always forgive you. And our good works are, are not only good for us, but they please the one who loves us. And so we do good because God has loved us this way. That's, that's good news. So let's pray. Father, your love is beyond all we can possibly imagine or comprehend. Your mercy is so great, good, plentiful for us. If someone here is doubting that today, ease their conscience. If someone here is hearing this anew today, let them know that you will gladly receive them and give them faith in Jesus. And help us all learn more to delight in doing good because of the delight you have in hot messes like us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.